Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 66 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade, Stephen. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Good. Welcome back. Yeah, we missed a week. You were on an <laughs> epic week. adventure. Yeah, feels like it's been way too long, though. It feels longer, doesn't it? Yeah, two weeks when you usually do it every week is like an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to drink beer, talk about beer, and make me incredibly jealous? Definitely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today's topic is New York trip report because Stephen went to New York and he got to hit up a bunch of really cool breweries, and I have not heard about his trip yet. At least that aspect of it. So I'm very excited to hear. You get real life reactions. <laughs> yeah. <Jason. laughs> but before we get to any of that, we have to do our favorite part of the podcast, which is drinking beer. So how mm-hmm. this works is, yeah, I uh, introduce my beer, give some nose notes. Stephen does the same. And then we taste and give tasting notes. What you okay. got for us today? Today, I am drinking from Revolution Brewing Vanilla Death. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so I think I had cherry, their cherry Yeah, one. Death by Cherries or whatever. Death by called. Cherries, yeah. yeah. Um, so I saw this vanilla one. I wanted to try it because I really liked the cherry one. So this is a Russian Imperial Stout. It's 13.6%, and they do age it. Nice. It's barrel aged, yeah. But luckily, it's just this regular can size, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is a school night for me. Ooh, that is thick. <laughs> this is a thick boy. T-H-I-C-C thick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it looks, like, it looks like tar in the glass. There was maybe a moment of uh, carbonation, and it's already gone. This smells, well, first of all, it smells a lot of vanilla, but just really dark, uh, dark fruits, plum, and that super thick malt. Definitely getting a little bit of the wood notes, and then chocolate, coffee, but yeah, but primarily vanilla, I guess as you would expect. Okay, cool. Now the original the original base for this is Death's Tar, I think is what it's called. Yes, I think that's correct. That's okay. the the base, and then they um, and they do all these iterations of it. Yeah, so the, it's an oatmeal stout. That's the base one. Yep, you're correct. It's called Death's Tar, and then for this one, they basically put in hand split whole vanilla beans, and then they aged it. So they basically made a soup of vanilla version of Death's Tar. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that, that's going to be good. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'll wait for you to introduce yours. <laughs> All right, so mine is from New York. It's from Grim Brewing. Grim Artisan Ales, I think, is the name of the brewery. It's in Brooklyn. A little trivia. Can you name the five boroughs of uh, New York City? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just You're gave gonna... you a, I just gave you a clue of another one. <laughs> Why? Do, if anyone lives in New York, they're you not listening listen to this again. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Is Staten Island a borough? It is. It is. That's three. Is, is Harlem a borough? No, that's a, no. a neighborhood in Manhattan. Oh dang it! I don't know. New York can disown me. I I could probably name them if you didn't put me on the spot. <laughs> Queens. Oh yeah, Queens. And the Bronx. Okay. Queens, Bronx, Staten Island, Manhattan, and Brooklyn. Those are the five boroughs of New York City. Thanks. Okay, very good. This one's from Brooklyn. It's called Supernature. It is a spontaneous ale with coriander and sea salt. So, like, like, I think this should be Goza-ish. That's why I picked this. It doesn't specifically call it a Goza. Now, did you get this on your trip? Yes. Nice. And it made it back safely with a lot of careful packing in my suitcase. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Got that nice, earthy funk smell you want in your spontaneous sours. A little bit of, like, lemon and grass. Coriander's definitely coming through, like, um, just like a, I don't know, kind of, like, a spicy note to it, like a pepper note. Yeah, definitely a lot of, like, lemon, lime, citrus, like, really, really, really bright citrus coming off of it. Okay, excited. Cheers. Cheers. 
Okay, this is a big brew. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It, it's sweet in the entrance. There's like vanilla. It almost tastes like milk chocolate. That's how sweet it is. And then caramel. And then kind of in the development and the finish, it kind of goes to the, you get the bourbon, oak, dark fruits, plum. And then there is a little bit of a flash of alcohol heat near the end. It's fine. I don't mind. It's like kind of fits in. And then it's just very thick. It's a thick one. So... <laughs> But oat, no, it's, oatmeal giving it some thickness. Huh? Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, it's a thick, thick brew, but it's it's really good. It's kind of I like the cherry one better only because cherry is my favorite uh, yeah. adjunct flavor. But vanilla is probably a close second, and um, they did a good job. Like the vanillas, it's present. You definitely know this is like vanilla beer, but it's not. You still get all the other flavors of the the imperial stout. So. Cool. Well, I just realized I did not give any like details on my pour or anything because I was busy testing you on the boroughs of New York City. Yeah, I was failing. I got three or five. <laughs> yeah, that's a, D, that's a D. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not bad. You know, there's a test uh, that you have to take to get licensed to be any sort of tour guide in New York. There's like a whole testing process you have to go through the tour guide test. And it's 150 questions, uh, and you only have to get 98 right, huh, which I think okay. is like a 65%. So, yeah, so you can have some really, short. really crappy tour, <laughs> tour guide. I was going to say, imagine only scored you had a tour guide and he only got, he only knew, <laughs> only 65% of the things he said were correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like, that so, building right there is the tallest building in the world. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, this uh, Grim Supernature it is very, very pale yellow, a little hint of like orange, but very like straw colored. It had a very quick fizzy head that dissipated quickly. It's a 6% ABV. It's weird. Like I, it's got some a lot of Saison vibes going on here where it's like it smells really, really good and then like does not taste as good as it smells. <laughs> Do you think that's from the spontaneous fermentation is where you're getting that kind of... I don't... Yeah, I don't... Not sure. I don't like... I think maybe the coriander is just too strong. Okay. Like, it's just very, very peppery. It's just slightly citrus, citrusy and slightly tart, but not like not any sort of sour that, you know, I like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just peppery and then like finishes very dry and sort of vinegary. Like a, like a harsh vinegar, though. Ooh, okay. Like where it kind of like burns your throat a little bit. Yeah. I just, I wish it tasted more like it smelled because it smells really, really good. Yeah. This is kind yeah. of a lo- loser for me. Oh, no. Thumbs down. Yeah. That happens sometimes, though, like where you absolutely love the nose, but you don't really like the taste. Like the nose is bomb on this. Yeah. I, I'm just like, oh, this, it smells like beatification. Oh, okay. Cool. That's what it smells like, but it doesn't taste like beatification. <laughs> and that is so disappointing. <laughs> that is like, yeah. It's a tease. It's about as sad as it gets right there. Because yeah. <laughs> you think you know what you're getting with the nose and it doesn't come through. But yeah, you know. All right. Well, one thumbs up, stuff. one thumbs down. Yeah. It was definitely a, mine was a wild card for sure. Yeah. Well, it's all about trying new stuff and yeah, it's good you're branching out. <laughs> so I was under a lot of pressure. Uh, Why's that? At Grimm because. It was pouring down rain. There was no indoor seating or really outdoor seating because it was pouring down rain. Oh, no. Uh, so I basically was just in there with, like, my the rest of my family huddled under <laughs> shelter. It was just me in the brewery quickly deciding, like, what to get to go because we I wasn't going to, like, drink anything on site. And so I just, like, quickly looked at the menu and was like, uh, okay, this and this. And didn't try anything. Gotcha. So you rained out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So that was our beer drinking beer segment. And next we have postscripts and beer news. Postscripts are when we correct or add to items from previous episodes. And beer news is beer news. So I don't think we have any postscripts today, but we do have two items of quite interesting beer news. Yes. Well, the first kind of happened while we were off. In fact, I was scrolling Instagram while I was in New York City on the subway. And I saw that Sapporo had purchased Stone Brewing in San Diego. Yeah, you texted me. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, big news, another one bites the dust. (laughs) 
But I don't know. It, it's this is a super interesting story, actually. More interesting than our sort of regular, like, yeah, another big brewery sells to a big beverage conglomerate, whatever, whatever. But Greg Koch, who is the <laughs> founder of Stone Brewing, is like on record a long time ago saying, like, calling other breweries sellouts and saying that they would never do that. <sighs> and apparently you should just never say never. <laughs> Everyone has a price, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this it came as a pretty big surprise for the employees. They actually, there was people from Sapporo that I guess visited the site multiple times, the brewery multiple times, and they, um, employees were told that it was, uh, they were just looking for like a contract brewing facility so that like they might start brewing some of Sapporo's beer for them, but like nothing about actually being sold to them <laughs> also like Sapporo needs extra like brewing capacity yeah right? well it is actually one of the the reasons they wanted to buy stone uh, is because they can start brewing their beer immediately in stone's facilities and they have they brew facilities on both coasts uh, both in uh, san diego and i think richmond virginia oh, okay actually that doesn't make sense now that i think about it from like a logistic standpoint they can have mm-hmm. their beer brewed in the u.s saves them a ton on shipping and gets, they get more distribution yeah okay yeah exactly so that's kind of their you know the benefit they get from buying stone stone obviously gets some financial help which i believe they needed so uh, it's interesting is like, I guess they had sort of a tumultuous year last year. You know, I like everybody did, I guess. But they sort of went through this big regime change. The CEO stepped down and the CEO that took over was actually the same CEO that took over at Lagunitas and oversaw the their sale to Heineken. So a lot of people like saw the writing on the wall like, oh, are we bringing her in here to oversee another sale and that's exactly what happened so ah the writing was a little bit on the wall and in (laughs) retrospect some of that stuff becomes like so obvious right yeah right yeah exactly they bought stone for 165 million dollars so not a billion (laughs) dang breweries aren't worth what they were uh. i know right (laughs) (laughs) like I think that is well. Obviously, I don't know like the relative sizes, but it, that is pretty interesting. That Breweries it's like, depreciate more than your used cars these I days. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> and I do feel like we're post. I feel like when Lagunitas got bought, we were kind of still on like the upswing of the craft brew universe, and now maybe this is a sign that you know it's the market's like saturated. So that's still obviously a big paycheck, but yeah. A billion dollars is $165 million. It's a big difference. So to put that in context, that's about $505 per barrel of product of beer production for the company. Do you have that same calculation for like the Lagunitas purchase? So I, um, I don't have the Lagunitas, but when uh, Boston Beer Company merged with Dogfish Head, they paid $1,100 per barrel of Dogfish Head production. Uh and then we, I think we talked about Monster Energy buying the Canarchy Craft Brewery Collective. They spent about $660 per barrel. That's I love perfect. that metric. That's interesting. Okay, let's postscript. Let's, we'll do the calculation for Lagunitas. It okay. reminds me of like when you sell your house and they're like, it's the price, price per, per square, square foot. foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which always seems weird to me because I don't know. It's like it's so detached. The, the price of the home is so detached from like the square footage of the home, right? Like it doesn't really have much to do with like, a, you know, a lot of it is so, so much of it is location and, yeah, you know, like it doesn't, you know, you can buy. Well, I feel like number of bedrooms, like I know we're going so off topic, but yeah, it's okay. I think some of do. the advice realtors will give you is like buy as many bedrooms as you can because that number is like very appealing to people. Mm-hmm. Like, but like in my pretty modern house, the, it's not like a really good reflection because the bedrooms are so tiny. Like they make the yeah. mask really big and then the bedroom's really tiny. So I don't know. It's like, well, that's always like, that great? that's always what I used to look at is like, look, if I'm buying a 2000 square foot house, that's like a three bedroom, two bath. Like, you know, either the bedrooms are huge or the like living space and kitchen are huge. Right. So I just like, always felt like that was more appealing, like a huge floor plan with fewer breakups of that space. I always thought that was more appealing than, yeah, that makes having, sense. Having more bedrooms, but yeah. Yeah, I just think raw square footage is a kind of a weird metric. For sure. But that's how they measure. I think because it's kind of a universal, you can divide everything down to, 
it's kind of the same thing with like price per barrel. It's like a universal yeah. metric. So that's interesting. Well, and and the thing is too, like what we're talking about, you know, one of Sapporo's advantages in in acquiring stone is they get beer production ability, and so it's like, what is your price for that, right? So you're you have a, a production capacity. What are you willing to pay per barrel of production to get that? You know? Right. And especially like if you're expanding into a new market, you could do a calculation where you're figuring out like, well, what can I, what's my price per barrel production where I have facilities now, but then you got to add like transportation and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you, if you're producing it here and you want to distribute it here, you're, you're, you're making up that difference probably. Yeah. So anyway, it's a interesting, it's an interesting sale because like I said, Stone had sort of always presented itself as one of those breweries that would never sell out. And, uh, they did <laughs> well and i feel like probably it's a little unfair i would give them a little leeway because i think you know going through like the pandemic and stuff i don't think no one really saw that coming and that kind of changed i think that really affected a lot of breweries so especially california breweries so maybe that changed kind of how they felt about the whole business or there's a million reasons but i don't blame anyone for selling out i couldn't say no to a 165 million dollar check <laughs> yeah yeah, apparently, like, he was a very, like I said, sort of loud critic of uh, brewery sellouts. He called them cash grabs. In <laughs> in some of his statements surrounding the sale, he, he said he's still a supporter of independent craft beer, uh, but he has softened his rigidity around this subject in recent years. So, You know what they say, Stephen, you either die the hero <laughs> or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, he lived too long, I guess. He lived too long. <laughs> that's yeah. great. But that is crazy because Stone, you know, that's that's a big brewery, like just in the whole scene. And yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But we should do a deep dive on Stone. Yeah. The other thing he wrote was uh, in 1996, I dreamed of a world where people had better options and lots of them, but I never dared to dream there would be nearly 10,000 breweries in the United States. And yeah, uh, I don't think people saw that coming either, like just how saturated the market has become. Yeah, and he always considered independent craft beer as the perennial underdog of the beer industry, and then it just isn't now. Yeah, it's a monster now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, we did a whole episode about this issue, and I think uh, my stance has always been, I think it's a little silly. I think it's silly when people get so upset or start refusing to buy the beer. Although I, you know, you spend your money where you want to spend it and support who you want to support. That's that's fine. I just think the overreaction is dying down and has been dying down because it's just it's like a non-issue now i just think it's going to happen and you can continue to support them or not or what honestly i haven't bought a stone beer in a long time so (laughs) yeah i haven't either to be honest i mean i i think it was like an important gateway and i really used to like Mm -hmm. stone a lot but i don't buy stone anymore the only thing i worry about is like I think you do lose. I do worry about like the employees, like when you sell mm-hmm. to a massive corporation like that, you can, I think <laughs> employee benefit, like they're going to strip all that away. Right. So if you have this, like, yeah, one of the things I admire about, you know, some of the independently owned craft breweries is like, they actually take care of their employees. And like, obviously I don't know how Sapporo, Sapporo is going to treat their employees, but if I had to guess, it's not great. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's the unfortunate side. Going, and, that's the part that's like a little bit i think that's what sours people to supporting you know when to supporting the business at least for me i don't know maybe that's a not a I mean that's how everyone feels but there is something nice about like when you know the company is like taking care of their employees it's feels good to support them as you know you're supporting uh their staff like through that support so i agree but as the world goes and i do think like well, I, 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 what you're seeing, interestingly enough, is that you do have all these large breweries, Lagunitas, that kind of Ballast Point. They're all kind of, I think Lagunitas, Ballast Point, and Stone are, are all very similar. They're this craft beer startups that really grew to be very large. I mean, you can get these in every single grocery store all across the United States. I mean, the, the distribution of these beers is almost as good as the macro style. I mean, all these beers are right there alongside the macro styles. Very, very readily available for, for anyone. I guess, is it really that hard to believe that they would just become merged with a lot of these like macro companies? You know what I mean? Like, I just think, I don't know, it doesn't there is there wasn't that much separating them anyway <laughs> right they've already grown point. to a point where they're like naturally distributed or nationally distributed yeah no i see what you're saying 
you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just I, it doesn't really surprise me at this point because now you just have more of this divide between these like big breweries that are um, they have these, uh, you know, a few big flagship beers that they're just constantly producing and are, are available everywhere. And then you have these other craft tap rooms that are just basically stay local and the taps are constantly changing and evolving. They maybe have one or two flagships, but they're constantly making different beers. I don't know. It's just like the sort of the two worlds. So. Yeah, it is incredible to think like how big some of these what basically started as a one location, you know, like <laughs> brewery have grown into these massive, massive companies. Yeah, yeah, it's really so. interesting. Cool. So then the other thing we I wanted to talk about, this is something really cool that Russian River does every year. They have the big two week long Pliny the Younger release and they collect a lot of data about who's coming to the release and where they stayed and all that stuff. And they compile uh, all this data and they use the data to kind of create a, a um, profile of the economic impact of the Pliny to the Younger release on the sort of that greater Santa Rosa, Windsor area. And I think, you know, it's just to their benefit to sort of give this information out into the community to say, like, this is this event that we hold every year is important to the community. It provides spending and economic activity in that area beyond just what they're making at the brewery. So, and, uh, yeah. And uh, do you have those numbers? Because I, I do. Love I love data. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, forty thousand bottles of Pliny the Younger were produced. This was the this is the eighteenth annual Pliny the Younger release. Uh, this was oh the wow, thir- only eighteen years. Yeah. This was the third time they bottled it. Forty thousand bottles uh, were produced. All of those were sold within the two week period. They sold out. Total economic impact they say is six point one million dollars for the area. Okay. That's twenty percent higher than it was uh, last year. But so the visitor totals there was. 2.6 people was the average group size that day, like each day. On average, $299 was spent per person. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just at the brewery? Yeah. Dang, they raked so it that's in. that's food, beer, merchandise. That totally makes sense. That's probably what I spent. Wow, okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. There were 11,982 visitors to the Santa Rosa location. And 11,715 visitors to the Windsor location. So 22, 23,000, almost 24,000 visitors total to the t- between the two sites. 98% of those people said that they would attend again in the future. You know what 24,000 <laughs> times 299 is? What? 7.1 million, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> okay, sorry, carry on. <laughs> Airfare and lodging, so $578 was the average spent on airfare. Uh, $548 was the average spent on lodging. 42 states from the United States were represented at the Russian River release. And then there's just like spending per industry. So there's like a pie chart of like 79% of the spending was on uh, accommodations and food. Transportation was the next big retail was the next big chunk and other was the other chunk. So um, do they have any breakdown about like uh, what percentage of people were local versus what percentage of people flew in? mm -mm. That's crazy though. 42 states were represented. Yeah. There's a lot of weird beer nerds, Steven. (laughs) Yeah. fly around to go try beer yeah yeah the states that weren't represented were like oklahoma Oregon. i i I have to know my states michigan wasn't represented that's kind of surprising yo michigan what up you guys like beer wait hold on maybe it wasn't maybe it's not michigan maybe that's wisconsin michigan looks like the like a mitten right yeah it looks like a glove like okay it's not michigan it's right to the left of michigan that's what i get to test you now (laughs) yeah i don't know my united states geography sorry You know, in Michigan, you can just do this. You guys can't see, but we're on camera. Okay, right. The oh, UP yeah. and the yeah, they call it UP, UP the upper, upper, the upper peninsula. peninsula. Yeah, I know yeah. the UP. I've never been there, but I know about it. I heard it's beautiful up there too. Okay, so I think that's Wisconsin. And oh, you know why no one was when Wisconsin went? Because the they're Nugler. all just drinking New Glarus. Yeah, yeah, they don't need to leave that state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, South Dakota. 
What's the? Uh, <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Rushmore. What is that square state just south of like Montana? Oh, I don't know. There's like four squares right in the middle. Yeah, like Colorado, but it's north of Colorado. What state is that? Why am I? Why am I so bad at United States geography? <laughs> and why did they put the, the names of the states on this map? You're looking at a bad map. So wait, what are you looking for? Where are we looking? Where are we at? Above Colorado, northern Colorado. It's Wyoming. Oh, that's Wyoming. I think so. Yeah, right above Colorado, and like Utah is kind of right yeah, there too. Right, it goes into that corner of Utah. And then above, yeah, Wyoming. Oh, that's Wyoming. Oh. Okay, you yeah. just I lost all our New York listeners, and you just lost all our Wyoming listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I I'm gonna call. I'm gonna start calling Wyoming like the other square state. The other square. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I recognize Colorado. <laughs> the other square. That's really funny, dude. <laughs> oh. It's like the other red. Uh, what do they call it? The uh, the other white meat or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the other square state. You know what? I don't even. I have no reservation making fun of Wyoming and uh, the Dakotas. And the Nebraska, all those states, because they get represented, they get two senators in Congress each, and <laughs> they, they have like, like no ten population. people. Yeah. yeah. So all right, we anyway, can rag on I don't feel bad them. for them. Okay. And there's some some other weird shaped state on the East Coast that was not represented. <laughs> oh, don't test me on my East Coast. We've already seen that my <laughs> East Coast is bad. Hey, the five. I only, I probably only know those because I was just there. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The East Coast. The problem. The East Coast has all those mini states. Yeah. That are like as big as a city. Oh, West Virginia. Oh, that's West Virginia? That's so weird. Okay. West Virginia is a lot farther north than I think it is. Mm. It's like way up by Ohio. Mm. Yeah, you're right. All right. Whew. Sorry. West Virginia. You're fine. Just... I don't know any of these states. Well, I know Ohio, Indiana, because I lived in Michigan. But Yeah. Yeah. So Arkansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Wyoming, Wisconsin, and West Virginia. Those are the states that were not represented. Oh, there's another little one. Connecticut was not represented. Also, that was that's a, one of those little tiny ones you can't see. Yeah, Connecticut is a tiny state. Well, not as tiny as like Rhode Island, but yeah, these are tiny states. Especially you're from Texas. Your state is as big as like <laughs> all, biggest, all, all those, those combined. Put together. Yeah. 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 All right. So anyway, that's the economic impact of the Plan of the Younger release. I think it's really cool that they sort of compile compile that data every year and. Yeah, just yeah, it's you cool. know, show off a little bit. Oh yeah, and it's I'm actually I would have never guessed that 42 states made it out there. That's pretty crazy. And I think it's they have of, some international travel too. On oh yeah, I'm sure a lot of weird beer nerds in the world. A lot of our our people, Stephen. Our people. <laughs> <laughs> did you notice I'm drinking a different beer now? Oh, did you give up on that one? Yeah, I couldn't do it. I drank a little now? bit more, but uh, I'm drinking uh, Creek from Une Ane. Uh, they're the ones. So Hubbard's Cave is the. They make like El Zucatan. Yeah, they make a bunch of really good. It's stats. the. It's two sides of the same brewery. Uneane is like the. I think they do like the sour side, and then maybe sours and IPAs, and then Hubbard's Cave does the stouts on the other side. So nice. It's good. I've had it a couple times before. It's cherry, all cherry. I love cherry. Yeah. All right, so. Do you want to get into the main topic and tell me all about your cool New York beer adventures and I can be jealous? All right. So actually, you know what? I'll start out back home because the weekend before we left was Father's Day and my wife and kids so graciously decided to let me go to Jester King and do a tour, even though they were going to be bored the whole time. But no, it's really fun. Chester King's a great brewery. It's outdoors. It's like all outdoors and it's like 100 degrees here. So we were driving there. Assuming we were going to be pretty miserable. <laughs> but uh, we got there. We checked into the tour. We got a couple. We grabbed a couple beers and then the tour started. And it's just really cool because it's not that big of a brew facility. It's pretty small, actually. And past there's fermenters and you know brew facility they have this big barrel room and it is musty in there i mean it, Ooh, i bet it smells awesome yeah i mean it's uh it's air conditioned that was the okay. nice part of the tour uh it's temperature controlled in there but yeah it smells like a barn uh, a lot <laughs> of like sort of horse blanket manure oh never mind i would not like that smell yeah i mean it wasn't like it was like pleasantly unpleasant <laughs> okay 
And that's where they're aging everything. Yeah. So Super everything cool. goes into those barrels and they don't move. All the barrels are stationary. Oh, really? Yep. They do not move them around. They just fill and refill the same Fill barrels. and refill? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, apparently, they fill them with water if they're not filled with beer. Oh, that keeps okay. Them drying out. Yeah, that makes sense. There were two different stories of this barrel room. So there's some barrels upstairs. And they literally just have like hoses running up there. And they just like move the hoses and fill the barrels, and it's sort it's very messy. Like sometimes they'll you know they'll pull the cork on the barrel to get a taste of the beer, and some will spill down onto the floor and down. <laughs> and they down, pull like the cork right back in. Yeah, down through the cracks, and it'll fall on the other barrels. Like it's a mess in there. Like it's gross, but like that's the whole. It's just like this living organism. Love that. Like yeah. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they have these two big. I, I don't. I don't know if we've ever really talked about these, but fooders. Fooders are basically just huge wood barrels um, that they use for aging beers. Uh, if you ever see that sort of like big upright barrel, and these are like huge. I'm not talking about like a barrel you would roll, like a, a huge, huge barrel. Stationary. Yeah. Yeah. Those are called fooders. And it was really interesting because she was saying that, uh, you know, they'll get every once in a while, they'll get a, a like an infection of a bad bacteria like Pedococcus in a in a beer. And if they like take that out and they throw it in the fooder, like the fooder is the sort of um, it's like the healing place because you can just like put it in there and give it some time let like other bacteria outcompete the bad bacteria and um and it will like clean itself up nature is healing yeah so they don't like she said they don't end up like throwing out a lot of stuff like they do sometimes because stuff just doesn't work or goes bad or whatever but but they said the fooders kind of fix can fix a lot of like different mistakes and infections and stuff so huh i did not know that that's really fascinating yeah and a lot of what they do is just blending you know they just blend different years and different barrels and stuff to like make the end product beers like atrial rubicite that we had the one that is like refermented on raspberries that one's interesting because same kind of thing like they're they're blending to get a beer but they're trying they have an end goal in mind there because they're trying to make that beer obviously it's gonna be slightly different every year but they're trying to make like a pretty consistent product with atrial rubicite so that one they're blending to like create a the exact flavor profile that they want to create. So the people that do that blow my mind. Scotch is the same way. Like where, you know, if they're gonna put out a whatever twelve year old, they gotta use a bunch of casks to blend. But you know, your inventory of casks is constantly changing. So every year you gotta you still wanna make a consistent product, but you gotta like recreate it from these changing base materials it's crazy yeah she talked about how the barrel manager like knows and like talks to the barrels and is like knows them personally and knows yes there's a really good scotch documentary and they had they interviewed like the same guy like the barrel master the mixing master and he even said like oh yeah there's a couple back there that are like so good that i don't even tell anyone about them they're just for like my own personal consumption (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're like a couple barrels they call the twins. They're like prized barrels that just always produce really good beer. And yeah, super interesting. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then tucked up way up in the corner of this barrel room was the cool ship. Not even close to as fancy as the one at Russian River. It looked like that a cool Russian ship River that I would, that I yeah, would, like in your garage. Yeah. <laughs> the Russian River cool ship is like legit one of my favorite places on earth. Like it's so cool. Yeah. But even this one had a nice little, like, sort of rounded ceiling over it that was all untreated wood, you know, so that bacteria just hangs out up in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they have, like, the, they want it to get, like, infected over the years. Yeah. That's awesome. And even, like, every person that comes on the tour, like, imparts some sort of, you know, part of them into the beer. So very interesting. (laughs) It's true. Yep. So that was cool. And, you know, they're just very all about like using Texas terroir, you know, like Texas water. Not They do not manipulate their water at all, ever. I love that. It's the Texas well water and that's it. I love they do that. Um, And they just try to use local ingredients, local malts, local fruits, all that stuff. So So we haven't even left your state and I'm already jealous. (laughs) Well, I did pick you up. Oh, I can't even remember what it's called. I'm so bad, but it's there. It's cherries. It's the, oh yeah, it's Montmorency versus Balaton. You know me well. 
yeah, it's two different varieties of cherries. It's it's basically it's a hundred on it beer advocate too. It's the <laughs> it's my dream. It's dude. the cherry version of H O Lubusite. Yes, yes. Uh, my wife's coming out there. Oh, okay. Uh, first week of August, so you'll get a birthday present. Oh, it's my birthday. I gotta come visit you, and then we we gotta you're gonna I'm gonna make you I'm gonna drag you along to do that tour again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. In a heartbeat. Uh, there's a great brewery just down. So we were so hot after the tour. We needed to get food. Majestic King has food, but again, it was just so hot out there. Uh, we drove two minutes down the road. I didn't even realize, like, within walking walking distance is uh, another brewery called Beerberg. And they have a really nice, like, indoor facility, great food, great desserts. Like, it's just a really cool place. And the service was awesome. And the beer was really good, too. So we went there afterwards. Nice. So a couple of great breweries before we even left for uh, New York City. But uh, Tuesday morning, we left for New York. I love the city. I just love that city life. I don't know about you, but I hate I love- it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love visiting, but I can never live in the city like that. Yeah. It's too much. It would overwhelm me. But visiting is fun. Like short spurts of it, I love it. Yeah, I think if I had a lot of money, New York would be fun to live in because you kind of like you have to have like a driver, you know, like oh, you need yeah. a having owning a car in that city would be a nightmare. Yeah. And like the subways are great. The public transportation is amazing. I That's one of the things I love about it is you just it's like this great combination of take this the public transportation, but you still have to walk a lot. Like my kids were getting 20, 25,000 steps on their Fitbit during this tri- a day yeah this that's trip. Awesome. like they were just we were just walking a ton because you just have to because no matter what you gotta walk a couple blocks to catch your subway or whatever you know so if i was gonna live there it'd be nice to like have a car available <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like it's only so the public transportation is only so good yeah, yeah like it's great it's, it really is yeah. great it's limited sometimes yeah and of course just like rent there is so impossibly expensive but oh yeah you gotta have i yeah it'd be a very it's an expensive place to live why live in california but (laughs) new york is also very expensive but i think brooklyn would be cool brooklyn you know like go out into like living like right in manhattan i think that sounds overwhelming something like i wish you know you look back and like oh it would have been really cool to do when i was like in my 20s i know you know what i mean like it is a very alive city it's a midlife crisis. <laughs> realizing you wasted your 20s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was really yeah. fun to do with my kids. Uh, my kids hadn't really been to like a really big city like that. And so it's just it's just cool to see it through their eyes because they're looking up at like the, all the, you know, video billboards in Times Square. Just like amazed. Yeah, Times the, Square is wild. It's like now, overstimulation. We actually went to New York in 2000. Yeah, yeah. You uh, and I did. Uh, and it was a completely different universe then. And we went to Times Square. And if you look at Times Square of pictures, like from now, 2022 to 2000, it's a completely different universe. It's so yeah. crazy. What it I almost like didn't now. even realize I was in Times Square. It seemed to look like it looked different to me. Um, it just had a different look. But yeah, it's incredible. Like, it's so overstimulating, all the <laughs> ads and stuff there. It's too much. I, I ain't going to sound like a Luddite an uh, old man <laughs> but i prefer the way it was before yeah 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 it's it's very overwhelming but uh we actually went to this really cool museum called rise new york uh you're a big disney fan so you've done like soaring over the soaring over the world oh yeah yeah so if anyone's ever done this ride i've I, i've done it it used to be soaring over california in Ca- california adventure in in uh, la's disneyland and then they changed it to soaring over the world and they upgraded it from standard definition to H- hd it was st for too long <laughs> yeah yeah they upgraded but one of the cool uh... things is so basically you're sitting in this seat and in front of this huge, massive screen that takes up your whole visual space and then you just it, you know it makes it feel like you're flying over all these areas and one of the cool things is like you'd fly over the orange groves in california and they pump all these different smells so you'd like start to smell the oranges as you flew over the the orange groves and all this stuff so anyway they switched it to soaring over the world it's really cool it's a really cool ride well, this Rise New York Museum had all these, uh, you know, you went through all these steps of like all the different things that New York has had influence over, like fashion and TV and music and movies and stuff. And then you came to the end, which was this 
soaring over the over New York ride essentially. Okay. Uh, and it was really cool. I mean, it was just as good as the Disneyland ride, and you nice. had to soar over all the different parts of New York and around the Statue of Liberty and stuff. So that was a really cool museum. If you're ever in New York, check it out because it's like I don't know, it's sort of it's right in it's pretty close to Times Square. It's just I don't think a lot of people know about it. I, think I haven't newer. heard about that. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. It's really cool. Found out about that on TikTok. So ah, nice. I think TikTok's not useful. It actually kind of is. We got to get on the TikTok. We need the attenuation TikTok channel. Wow. I I suck at posting content. We can't even do Instagram. We can't do TikTok. (laughs) That's like the whole another level. You got to get your kids to figure that out for us. You know, we had this like this older woman come up to my table in the cafeteria at lunch and she needed help scanning the QR code or whatever. She didn't know how to like scan it with her phone. So my coworker was like showing her how to scan it and click the link. And then we like <laughs> we all sort of started wondering like, what is the thing that going to be that we don't understand how to do like when we're older? And it's like, well, you don't really know, but I already know I don't know how to do TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I try to stay. I like swerve to myself when I was like 30. I'm going to stay as relevant with technology as I possibly can. And in certain yeah. extents I am, but I don't have TikTok and I don't super understand it. I like, I kind of know it's like, it's like vines, right? Like remember vines were like those short videos and then that died and TikTok kind of replaced well, it. It's not that I don't know what it is. Like, and I, I, I love TikTok. Like I watch, I can watch TikTok for hours. Like some of the content is just so funny. Some of it's terrible, but some of it's Do you have so it on your funny. phone? Yeah. Oh, okay, I don't even have it yet, so. Yeah, so I have it. Like, I, I do enjoy TikTok. And I, you can, like, learn a lot of cool stuff. And, again, like, all you can, you can, like, just search things to do in New York. And there's a million TikToks of people being like, here's five things to do on your trip to New York. And they'll just show you. It's just, it's really cool. You can learn a lot of stuff. But, anyway, I don't know how to make a TikTok. <laughs> oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You know, like, yeah. these people make great content. I'm like, I don't even know how they do that. So, anyway. TikTok. That's the thing I did. I would have to ask a young person how to do. <laughs> yeah, there's not gonna be a attenuation TikTok anytime <laughs> soon. So anyway, I'll let's actually talk about beer now. So one of the longtime staples of New York now is Brooklyn Lager, Brooklyn Brewery. We've done a deep dive on them. This was their sort of first flagship beer. Uh, one of the very early sort of popular craft beers in the United States. But it's it's nice because it's everywhere. And if you don't know what to get somewhere or you're at like like a game or someplace where they don't have a ton of craft beer, they always have Brooklyn Lager. So uh, yeah. there were multiple times during the trip where that, I just ordered that. And you're just drinking out of the bottle lots of times, right? Like it's not a beer you have to sit with or anything. It's just a nice sort of like crispy lager with a little bit of like some fruity esters to it that make it really nice to drink and uh it's just a great beer so brooklyn lager was kind of my staple during the whole trip when they were when i was out in different places that, that didn't have a lot of selection so we went to a, a tap house for dinner they had a bunch of cool stuff on tap they had other half on tap um one of their flagships is called green city and it's kind of the beer like everybody knows from other half and it's the one you can get on tap pretty frequently in different places in new york but it's like i don't know if you're gonna drink other half beer and you're in new york like just try something else right because <laughs> okay yeah because you can always get green city so anyway uh we were at this tap house and they had a single cut beer which was another brewery in new york they're in queens i knew i was not going to get up to that brewery to visit so um i i got their beer on tap uh i got their 18 watt ipa it was great uh kind of a dank mandarin orange flavored ipa uh but very good and i've had a few things from single cut on tavor as well um i think all ipas but yeah everything was fantastic from them so that was really good and then i actually got to other half they have a tap room now in rockefeller center so that was nice because it was just a lot easier there's tons of cool shopping in rockefeller center they have a huge nintendo store they have a huge Ooh, that sounds fun yeah it was fun uh they have a big american girl store <laughs> is that girls, still a thing so. oh yeah it's definitely the little thing. dolls yeah Oh, wow. My sisters were into that like 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's still a thing, huh? That's crazy. 
yeah so the american girl store is pretty overwhelming if you like if you wanted to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars you can like buy a new doll get an outfit then you can like both get you can get the outfit for the kid that matches and then you can like both get the kids and the doll's hair done in the salon yeah it's 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 a whole thing (laughs) but uh but yeah just a lot of cool shopping around that area F, the big FAO Schwartz is in that area, the toy store, which is oh cool, such a cool toy store, man. Like, Isn't it like six stories or something like that? Uh, I think it was only three. Oh, okay. Still, that's crazy for a yeah. toy store. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because there's just so many toy demos going on. Like they're just they're flying drones above you and demoing those things, and they're throwing these like boomerangs, and it's just so there's just like constant toy yeah. demos going that on around fun. you. Like, yeah, it's pretty fun. But other half was was cool. It's just this little cute little tap room in Rockefeller Center. Their beers are just amazing. I mean, you've had other half, right? Like a Mosaic Dream, I think is. Yes. Yes, I've had Mosaic Dream. It was incredible. Yeah. That's why I'm so Uh, jealous you were there. (laughs) We drank uh, a couple beers there. We drank one called Forever Ever, which is a double dry hopped IPA. Uh, Blue Crab, which is another IPA. That one was phenomenal like really you know again i'm one of those people like i you know i feel like sometimes every ipa i drink tastes the same you know it's hard to sort of like differentiate it but that blue crab was it was just as soon as i drank as soon as my wife drank it she was like oh my gosh this is like really good it just had these like really amazing orange juice flavors that dominated the the flavor profile but were like but in a great way oh it was so good and like to think that those flavors only come from hops like that's what always blows my mind like this tastes like orange juice but ah that's so cool yeah yeah it's fantastic uh and then they had a uh mango smoothie sour which was really really good uh you texted me a picture of that one (laughs) yeah that one like that was the sort of the coat the glass even my wife was like oh that looks disgusting like after you drank it the glass just (laughs) looks so gross i was super jealous of that one because we had just talked about beers of summer and we were talking about like a mango and a beer and then sure enough you got one from other half and i was like ah Yeah, it was good. And then my wife actually drank a triple IPA called Juiced. Uh, it was like 10%. Pretty legit, but it was very good. Other half was definitely high point of the trip. We actually went there again a day or two later. <laughs> oh, nice. You went twice? Yeah, because right next, right, very close is uh, Magnolia Bakery. Uh, they're okay. famous for their banana pudding. Mm. So we got some of that and we got some other like desserts from Magnolia Bakery. And then we walked down to other half and got beers and ate our desserts yeah perfect perfect day (laughs) and i got some of that forever ever to go so i brought some of that home so Ooh, nice i have to drink that soon how many beers did you end up packing uh so i got a four pack of forever ever i got a four pack of an ipa from grim and then that uh the supernature that i drank tonight a bottle of that from grim and that's all so eight Oh, so Eight beers in the in the bottle of beer. Yeah, we were kind of running out of suitcase room. So. so when I we went to Disney World for the first time, my wife is obsessed with the bar you can go to. The name is gonna elude me. Where like when you order certain drinks, things happen. Trader Jam, uh, Trader Sam's. Okay. So there's a bar called Trader mm-hmm. Sam's, and they serve all of their drinks in collectible glasses. Okay. And she had it all planned out. It's actually really cool. I recommend going. It's really difficult to get in because this is so popular. But I don't know. I don't really want to spoil it. But yeah, things happen when you order drinks, if, if that makes sense. It and doesn't. Then, okay, I'll give you one example. So if you sit at the bar, there's a drink called, a sh- I think it's the Shrunken Head. And if you order it, it's actually really cool because you're tipsy. And uh, if you're tipsy, they slowly like lower your stool they're like they're pneumatic basically okay and over the course of like 10 minutes like it's so gradual that it like hits you all at once they like lower you a foot over like the course of like 10 minutes to like give you the experience that you're shrinking and oh there's a bunch gosh. there's a bunch of stuff like that but she decided we needed like all these collectible glasses and i had to get them back because we had packed our suitcases full on the way there i had to <laughs> 
sacrificed like all of my socks <laughs> <laughs> and like undershirts and she's like i'll get you new undershirts oh and my socks. Gosh. she's like we have to get these home that's awesome so, yeah it's really funny i like yeah. so it reminds me of when we because that's kind of the thing we did even when we went on our trip to seattle we like brought a bunch of beer home. it's like we got to check on an extra empty bag just like yeah bring all the beer home yeah that's why i was like actually kind of disappointed that i didn't bring just an extra piece of luggage just to yeah that's to the move space yeah i know yeah, fill it with like bubble wrap and yeah exactly. <laughs> and then when you bring it home you can pack everything up nice and tight <laughs> that's awesome well so the uh last day we were in new york we actually we were gonna the the morning we had to fly out we were flying out of the airport at like 6 30 in the morning so we we're gonna have to be at the airport super early so we were like well let's get out of the city on that last day out of manhattan and get up closer to the airport and just stay that last night in the hotel in a in a in a, in a hotel close to the airport so i rented a car actually i got <laughs> it was supposed to be a minivan it ended up being a forerunner so i got this forerunner now I got to drive this forerunner through like Manhattan. Yikes. Which is so Stressful. crazy. The craziest. Yeah. yeah, it was a pretty crazy driving experience, but not too bad. It's kind of funny how when you get into that situation, all the drivers are very aware. You know, like there's nobody driving not paying attention because you can't not pay attention. You know right. what I mean? There's so, so much stuff like, going on. Yeah. So it's almost better because everyone is hyper aware driving and you know, you just kind of have to move in and out of lanes because there's like big trucks that are parked in the in the lane because they're, you know, making a delivery and right. that's the only place they can stop. So there's always this constant like merging out of that left lane and merging back into it. And everyone's just like very used to that. So it just sort of flows. So it's actually not that bad. But yeah, we got out of the city and uh, we took a drive out to... Uh, across the Brooklyn Bridge, which was cool, to Brooklyn, to downtown Brooklyn, and went to Evil Twin Brewing. They have a little tap room in downtown Brooklyn. My wife actually fun- made this funny comment. She's like, you know, it's really funny. There's all these like breweries that you just you have to visit when you're here. You're like you, you know, you're telling me like I want to go to here and here, and we get to them. They're just these like really small, unassuming tap rooms. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but these places are amazing. <laughs> And it's kind of like, you know, the difference in what we were talking about between Stone and some of these other breweries. Like, they're making amazing beer. And, you know, you can get these beers through some of the specialty, like Tavor and Craft Shack and stuff. But they don't have any sort of, like, really national distribution. Right. So it's, like, enough distribution to, like, create the hype and create, like, when I'm there, I want to go to that brewery or, like, not, like, even just the knowledge of that brewery, that that brewery exists that otherwise would just only be locals knowing about it but like but they're still very small independent breweries which is small small little tap rooms so uh it's pretty cool but yeah evil twin is very interesting we've talked about their names of their beers (laughs) and they're they're pretty funny but some of the beers i tried there where um there was one called a pineapple a day keeps the doctor away (laughs) nice that was a IPA with pineapple added. Uh, we didn't love it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was just, I don't know. Sometimes the hazy IPAs get a little bit of that, like, sort of throat burning flavor. Do you know oh, what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, they can get, yeah. For whatever reason, like, the hazy IPAs, I don't know what it, I think it is some of those particles, some of those, that yeast, whatever's creating the haze in the beer there. Uh, if you get, like, too much of that, this causes this sort of burning in your throat so anyway that it kind of had that feel and i think maybe it had something to do with the fact that there was pineapple added too which made it like a little bit more acidic oh yeah that makes sense so yeah my wife didn't love that one but we also got i'm gonna i have to pull this up because otherwise i will botch these names because they're like they're really long <laughs> yeah they give long all their beer names are like a paragraph <laughs> Okay, this one was called It Was His Birthday and They Still Didn't Care. <laughs> okay, that's sad. <laughs> that one, it was a sour. It was a birthday cake sour. Ooh. They call it a sour IPA. Yeah. so weird when they do that. Evil Twin does this, actually, every once in a while. Like, I had a blue raspberry sour IPA from them. And then this one, they call it a sour IPA. I didn't get any, like, IPA notes to this. Like it just felt like a sour. Huh. Yeah, I don't know where yeah, they really that's get. That's weird they, that they call it that. Yeah, where they get the IPA from. But 
But yeah, just some great like birthday cake, vanilla birthday cake notes to this beer. We actually, Martin House made a birthday cake sour a few months ago that I bought a bunch of because it was so good. But And they were very similar. Uh, sort of a, a weird, like it's weird to think of a sour beer with like birthday cake flavors to it, but it works. It works really well. So that was I good. love birthday cakes. So I would definitely try that one. <laughs> they have their dumb fruit series by evil twin which is the smoothie sour series where they do like three fruits and like a candy so i've had one that had like you know three fruits and peach rings and i don't know there's all this like they're very gimmicky that sounds like a steven beer yeah uh this one was dumb fruit 20 this was like their one year anniversary of making these dumb fruit beers so it was like the list of fruits in this beer is, is ridiculous hold on i need to pull it up okay it's a smoothie sour with mango, apple, banana, blueberry, grape, orange, passion fruit, peach, guava, pineapple, strawberry, watermelon, and raspberry. What? <laughs> yeah, it was like a culmination of all the fruits they had used in that series over this year. It's too many. <laughs> and the ABV, ABV is 6.66%. So, so Ooh, 666. Yeah. Uh, it was ridiculous. It tasted like a Jamba Juice, straight up, like no That's joke. That's crazy, alcoholic Jamba Juice. Yeah, it was awesome. The one, the sour, I thought was more fun. I had one called Fruit for Thought. It was a blueberry, raspberry, coconut cream sour. That was actually really good. Very nice. well balanced. A nice sort of sour beer with the like creaminess from the coconut, uh, with great berry flavors. That one's really good. They had another one they called a Goza, which was um, their E.T. Stay Home series. This is another sort of long-running sour series from them. This one's called Royal Treatment. This is another long, weird list. It's a blend of pink guava, mango, pineapple, salt, coconut, cocoa, marshmallow, and vanilla. Whoa. Yes. It, it smelled like a guava-infused marshmallow. That the, Those were the note, my nose notes. <laughs> <laughs> nice uh very sweet smelling and I, I don't know i always have a little bit of issue with using the beer style goza so loosely people throw that term around a lot don't they yeah and i don't know whether it's because like it's just a beer like a sour beer that they use salt in i think sometimes that just becomes like oh that's a goza no it's a goza it has salt yeah yeah it's sour and has has salt yeah <sighs> anyway it, it's just like there's nothing goza about it to me <laughs> it's just another like fruited sour but it was it was good i really i did like the sort of guava flavors but um but definitely the fruit for thought i thought was the best sort of balance like good beer i also drink a key lime pie sour from them nice. i thought it was going to be my favorite and it is actually my least favorite oh really yeah and only just like i don't know key lime pie beers i've had some really good ones and some really bad ones I just think sometimes it's all about like, I don't know, the balance of the lime and sometimes it can border on tasting like a kind of like a floor cleaner, kind of that <laughs> okay. citrus yeah. pine salt kind of flavor. So it's just this, uh, it's just a hard flavor to nail, but it was good. It just was definitely not my favorite. I do have to, <laughs> they have this menu, the menu up on the wall is uh, like a LED display, you know, so that they can just like change it. Oh, yeah, easily, that's cool. Right? What's so funny is these names are so long that they end up becoming, like, ticker. You know, you have to, like... They're, like, so scrolling. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. scrolling. And one of them is, like, oh, my God, it's still going. This is the full name of the beer. It's, this was a collaboration with Greenport Harbor Brewing. Uh, I like the name... Oh, it's in Greenpoint? No, Greenport. But we totally need more words in that one for it to be an evil twin collaboration. That was the name of the beer. I hate that. <laughs> it's so, so imagine, long. You imagine like this is like ticking across the screen like, oh, it's in Green. No, Greenport. Like it's just still going like you're reading a novel. It seems absurd. Uh, it was so funny. Yeah, we liked that one. Anyway great beer that was you know i knew evil tone was gonna be fun because they make some like really fun stuff and it's like constantly changing so you kind of never know what you're gonna get when you 
get to the tap room and that's that's always fun nice you know what i didn't mention is uh, we had a layover on the way there in tampa florida they had a cigar city restaurant you texted me a picture of that in too. the airport yeah that is so cool i was like oh i'm so happy we're in tampa right now <laughs> and they and had, you had uh, you ended up drinking some beers there right Yes. Yeah, so they have all their standards. Florida Man, High Lie. What's their other one? Uh, I can only think of their stout, which is Huna, I think Hunapa or something. Yeah, like they that. didn't have Hunapa. Yeah. They're all their standards, and then they had. They always have something sort of seasonal, and their seasonal while we were there was a pineapple tangerine fruited version of High Lie. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah. So apparently, those that that flavor profile is in the original high lie of like pineapple tangerine notes so they just sort of amped those up with actual fruit and uh, it was very good so that was a fun like i didn't really expect to have a good like beer experience on my way to new york but ended up having yeah i was foreshadowing how successful your beer experience (laughs) is gonna be that you got a special high lie did you and you ended up liking it uh yeah it was very good very good because i've had high lie twice and i Hi, yeah, the biggest fan of it. Yeah, I think I told you like I had highlight recently again, and I liked it more this time than I did the first time. I think I had different expectations going into it this time. It is very multi. It's a very multi. Yes. Sort of old school IPA. Well, the other thing is, I think if I could get it on tap, I think that'd be a completely different experience because I think the one I had the first time was kind of old. So, and you know, for a lot of beer styles, it doesn't matter, but for IPAs, it's pretty important to have it fresh. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that last day we spent in Brooklyn was very, uh, it was a very rainy, drizzly day. We got done at Evil Twin and we decided we'd drive over to Grimm. I di- I'd never had anything from Grimm. I didn't actually know a whole lot about them, just that um, uh, it just came highly recommended. So we drove up and found a parking spot. And we walked up and they have, it's kind of funny. I think this is a COVID thing, but in New York, I think there was like a requirement to have outdoor seating or whatever to stay open. Oh, okay. So in the like area of like sort of like the bike lane sidewalk area kind of thing, they built these little outdoor seating areas. Yeah. They're almost so enclosed that it's like indoor seating. (laughs) (laughs) Like defeats the purpose. Yeah. So anyway, those are more common. So they kind of had that outside of Grimm, like this sort of outdoor seating area that was covered, but it was completely full of people, like a huge group. It was all one group taking up the whole space with like a ton of kids. And it was starting to rain a little harder. Well, I walk in and they're not seating anybody inside. There's a like, there's not a lot of space in there. It's sort of this like, you know, those those places that are like more brewery facility less tap room yeah you know <laughs> yeah, totally. it's like the tap room was like after it's like an afterthought yeah yeah exactly like you just feel you're in like a warehouse and they just built a quickly built a counter <laughs> that's basically what it was so like they didn't have a lot of indoor seating area and they they didn't have any tables out or anything so there was nowhere to go well while i'm in line like it just starts to absolutely pour. So my wife and kids are outside able to, you know, be under this covered seating area, but like there's nowhere to sit there. And luckily my wife and I were on the same wavelength because she's thinking, Oh my gosh, like he's going to get a beer and want to sit and drink this. And like, this is miserable. Well, as soon as I saw it pouring outside, I was like, okay, I'm just going to grab get some beers to go. <laughs> Good job, Steven. Yeah. So I just like sort of went, okay, that looks good. Oh, there's uh, this IPA. I just kind of grabbed, picked from two different ends of the spectrum, a sour and an IPA, and just went on my way. So I have yet to try the IPA from there called, uh, it's called Wave Table. Apparently that's a kind of a flagship IPA for them. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was kind of my beer drinking experiences. Um, definitely Other Half and Evil Twin were kind of the two big highlights of the trip yeah that's awesome i'm just super jealous that you got to drink at those breweries yeah it was uh again it's always just cool for me to like actually see where these places are because mm-hmm. 
you know, I've heard, I hear so much about the I know, beers, they're so, like, I, legendary. And then, yeah, yeah, and I get these beers from, from Tavor a lot, but it's just cool to actually see the real places. And it's almost how, like, humble they are, like, how small they are. Yeah, I know, it's very, like, anticlimactic when you actually, like, walk in, you're like, oh, this is it. This is other half, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you feel, like, I think we felt that same way with, like, Fremont, right? Fremont yes. and Rubens, yeah. right? Like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just a place. Oh, yeah. Just a little brewery here, but they're making an unbelievable beer. But yeah, yeah. This is the to place. us, it's like like a mecca. Like, yeah, we have to go visit. Into the locals, it's just like a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Great. that phenomenon is fun. It's really fun though, and I like how you, if you're into craft beer, you can really augment. Like obviously, you weren't just going to check out breweries, but it's like something yeah. you can kind of like add to your trip. Is like to check out the local breweries, which is fun. For sure. Definitely had definitely had pre-planned a few spots that I was like, okay, we can't miss these. Like my list was long at first, but I knew I had to kind of cut it down to Yeah. <laughs> Cause I would have liked to go to single cut, but but even that to like to get out to each of these boroughs, like it's a long trip. Yeah. And like your poor kids and wife. Well, your wife likes beer, but your poor kids are like, Yeah, do we really have to go there, Dad? <laughs> well, we'll have Ed. to do uh <laughs> It's well, not even, like if you're dragging me along, because I'll be, I'll, we'll go to every brewery, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, even the last trip, when it was just my wife and I, I dragged her all the way, like, deep into the Bronx to go to Gun Hill Brewing, and it's, like, it, it's just in this super random spot. Like, I mean, public transportation gets you close, but not that close. Like, you still got, like, a mile and a half to walk, and my wife was just like, where are you taking me? Like, yeah, where happening? are we going? And it was just this little tiny spot, like in a warehouse stuck between like two mechanic shops. And it was just very, very strange, but great beer. Yeah. Hey, that's part but of the That's adventure. where all the best beer is being made. Yeah. Part of the adventure is getting there to like the random spot. Exactly. Nice. All right, cool. Well, do you have anything else you want to add from your amazing New York beer trip that I'm very jealous of? I love New York City. <laughs> right, I love you- it. Add it to our bucket list for you and me to go. Okay. And yeah, I'll go save, to... save up for another like. I know, minutes. it's expensive. <laughs> but we can go to all the obscure breweries. We'll do. I'll we'll do, do Gun, Gun Hill and Single Cut. Yeah, I'll walk the mile and a half with you, Stephen. No problem. All right. Thanks. <laughs> all right, cool. We can call that an episode. Um, We are available on, not yet on TikTok. No, no. Not Maybe yet. someday. But we're we'll on Instagram. Our, we'll make our TikTok <laughs> debuts. <laughs> at attenuation.podcast and you can also reach us at email at contact.attenuation at gmail.com and this has been episode 66 of attenuation a beer podcast my name is jason and i'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade steven that's me and we're saying cheers and we'll see you next week for episode 67 all right cheers buddy Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation of Your Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers! Cheers.